0: Healthcare, its cost, and availability are major concerns as voters evaluate issues in the upcoming election, and hospital care consumes the largest share of the tab. So how will the nation's hospitals figure into this national debate? Welcome to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Richard Umdenstock the President and CEO of the American Hospital Association, a trade association that represents some 5,000 U.S. hospitals and healthcare systems. Prior to his role, Mr. Umdenstock was Executive Vice President of Providence Health and Services, a large integrated delivery system based in Spokane, Washington, that includes 27 hospitals in the Northwest in states of Washington, Alaska, Montana, Oregon, and California. Mr. Umdenstock is a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives, serves on the National Quality Forum Board of Directors, and is a member of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Committee of 100. And he joins us today from the AHA's offices in our nation's capital. Rich Umdenstock, welcome to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD.
1: Thank you, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, so this is an exciting year with the presidential election, and with that, pretty much all of the candidates are talking about their health care reform proposals, and it's not a surprise that each one of them will have serious repercussions and some pluses and minuses for the nation's hospitals. So if you could tell us kind of what the hospitals would be looking for in health care reform, since it's been a while since we've talked about significant health care reform in this country.
1: It has been a while. It's been since the early to mid-90s that we've had a serious national conversation. And we're very pleased as the nation's hospitals that healthcare is back at the top of the discussion agenda here in the United States. There are a lot of things that our system does very well and that we're proud of, but we all recognize that we need to make major changes, reform efforts to make this system work even better for the people of this country. Our association has been working for the last two years now to develop a framework for national healthcare reform that we think everyone, consumers, insurers, employers, physicians, everyone can help develop because it's not a hospital plan, but rather a national framework. And there are five elements to it that we think are all equally important to be addressed as part of this effort. The first is coverage. We do believe that until everyone in the country is covered one way or another, and that the costs of coverage are shared by consumers, employers, government, that we will continue to have unnecessary health care costs and unnecessary pain to consumers in terms of those who can't get into the system at the right time. So coverage for all supported through payments by all parties is one element. Another is health and wellness. We have to reorient the system toward more of a prevention orientation with more incentives to maintain health rather than to consume health care services. A third element is affordability. We recognize that the cost of health care continues to rise at a rate faster than inflation and that we as hospitals and all other parties in the healthcare system need to help restrain that rate of increase and make sure that we're getting the most out of every dollar. The fourth element is quality and safety. That's job one for us every day, but we know we can be better, so we've got to look at ways to improve that. And the fifth element is information, how to move information to the point of care so that clinicians and patients can make the right choices at the right time.
0: Does the hospital industry favor one financing mechanism over another? I know there's Medicare, and some providers have different issues about whether Medicare should be expanded or not, or should there be some more funding to Medicaid, or is there one particular area where the hospitals would like to see expanded to get more people coverage?
1: Well, we've been part of a broad-based coalition of almost a dozen and a half organizations that for the past year has been promoting a coverage and financing approach. It's called the Healthcare Coalition for the Uninsured, or HCCU. And that approach proposed building on the current systems that are in place, so maintaining employer-based coverage and maintaining public programs but building upon them in a way so that more individuals are reached and are brought into coverage and into the system. We do that through a proposed set of expansions, uh, first in terms of the state children's health insurance program, otherwise known as SCHIP, to expand that to be sure we cover all currently eligible kids. And you know, there's been quite a debate over that this year and a couple of presidential vetoes. So That's been a tough struggle, but we've also proposed to expand coverage for adults by using tax credits that allow people to either use those credits to buy into employer-based coverage when it is offered, but for which they don't feel they have the money today to purchase it, and also to use that out in the private market if they are not currently covered. So our approach has been to support this coalition strategy and to uh, try to build upon the current system rather than something totally new and different.
0: And would you think that there are a few people that are out there saying, you know what, I think this is probably going to be next year when we are going to see some expansion, would the AHA be in favor of an incremental approach, or do you think it's like, hey, this is the opportunity, let's just get this done once and for all?
1: Well, in the commitment realm... I think we need a national commitment. So if that's all at once, I I think we do need to have that kind of agreement. Will all of the changes happen all at once? I would say we doubt that. This is a very large and complex system across our country today with many, many, many parts and players. And so we're going to have to be realistic about how we go about this to be sure that We have a rational approach that it achieves the objectives we want, and that it keeps all of the players, consumers included, at the table to get it done. Our information, when we listen to the American public, tells us that people who have access today don't want to see a complete dismantling of the system, but they definitely want to see a series of significant steps that makes it work better for them. And so it's more evolution than revolution. I think uh, ongoing transformation is what we'll see in the coming years.
0: Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to Inside Healthcare on Reach MD, XM 157. I'm Bruce Japson with the Chicago Tribune, and my guest today is Richard Umdenstock. He's the president and chief executive officer of the American Hospital Association, which represents about 5,000 of the nation's hospitals and may have perhaps one of the biggest stakes in whatever happens as far as health care reform, assuming that one of the candidates out on the stump these days follows through with plans to expand coverage. Rich, what is a particular area, if the hospitals wanted one thing in a health care reform bill right off the bat to get more people coverage, what would that be? Or who knows, maybe there's some sort of a bureaucratic hurdle, and I know there's probably many, many that you would want to choose from that you would like to see eliminated that would help the situation almost immediately.
1: Well, I think that certainly covering kids, expanding the S-CHIP program to cover kids is the smartest place to start.
0: And how many would we be talking there? Because the president did veto that, so it's looking like that probably won't happen this year.
1: Yeah, that is true. We have today... About 9 million kids that would qualify for the program in its current form, but we don't have coverage to all of those kids. Right now, about 6 million. And the proposal that we had put out would cover, I guess, up to 9, and there may be more beyond that.
0: And these would be kids who don't have insurance now?
1: That's right. Kids and families that don't have insurance. And clearly, taking care of our kids is a national imperative, it's also the place to start the investment in health care so that they are most productive in school and not missing school and not uh, causing their parents to miss work. But it's also a long-term investment, clearly, if we can help kids uh, get off to a healthier start.
0: And you'd be talking about 20% of the uninsured right there.
1: Yeah, it's a big percentage if we can get it done for everybody. So that's an important place to start We really don't want to see that as an ideological tug of war. The kids deserve it.
0: And where is the sticking point and where would and how much are we talking that that would cost because it would be administered through the federal government and the states?
1: That's true. There's no question that purely or simply expanding coverage will cost the country more up front because we've got to get those individuals, the kids in this case, the coverage and the services that they are now not getting. On the other hand, the question is, what's the payback? What's the return on that investment? But if we look at it simply as an expense, yes, it will cost more. That becomes a big problem for us. That's why our nation's hospitals are proposing a more comprehensive approach to reform, that we make this more of a coordinated and efficient system of delivery of care over what it is today and use more of the current dollars more efficiently, To provide more coverage to more people before we start thinking about new dollars. Because again, in today's national fiscal environment and our political pay as you go environment, we know that more dollars will be difficult, particularly if we can't show the return. So we want to use today's dollars much more efficiently, and that's why we've got to look at other aspects of reform.
0: Well, and if you look at children, you're also not necessarily spending upfront a huge dollar amount for inpatient care. I mean, it would be a smarter way to spend money if you're talking about outpatient, getting kids to the doctor to afford less costs down the road.
1: That's right. We know that children with coverage and access to primary care and pediatric care use less hospitalizations I think the colleagues over in the American Academy of Pediatrics told me that over 95% of the nation's kids aren't admitted to a hospital between birth and 18 years old. So, you know, what we're really talking about is getting them the kind of early intervention and ongoing care to keep them healthy so that things don't deteriorate to the point where they need to come to an emergency room or be admitted. We're very much trying to focus upstream in that sense on health and prevention and primary care.
0: Well, we'd like to thank Richard Umdenstock, who has been our guest, and we've been discussing health care reform, and this is an election year, and Mr. Umdenstock is President and Chief Executive Officer of the American Hospital Association, and we will be watching through the year as the AHA and its 5,000-member hospitals push their agenda, which I'm sure will compete with many, many, many others. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune, and you've been listening to Inside Healthcare on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions through our website at ReachMD.com, which now features our entire medical show library in on-demand podcasts. And I would like to thank you today for listening.